wondering how to fall completely in love with the people and things that surround you at home? I've spent the last 15 years studying how and where families thrive and what relational and house characteristics ignite us with that homey feeling. On this podcast, we uncover how our brains process the people we live with and the houses we live in so we can confidently create our homes to be wonder-filled connection magnets. Ready to give up the decision fatigue, comparison hives, overwhelm ulcers, and confusion chaos? You are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Thornock. Welcome to Becoming Home. What's up, homies? I'm so glad that you're here today, and I'm also super glad to welcome Katie Richardson, who is the genius parenting designer, relationship extraordinaire with a twist on how you can use things in your house to be a better person. This is Katie Richardson, who is the inventor and designer of the Pudge Tub. This is that infant tub that fits in your sink. I use this to bathe my babies. I'm sure you've seen it. It's sleek. It's white. It's everything you want to be because it fits underneath your bed or wherever you need to be, especially me as a new mom where I didn't have a lot of storage. It was just so great. I felt like a better better mom using it. And now I get to talk to Katie live and I'm a little bit fangirling, super excited. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Carly, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Really excited to share hopefully some insight and wisdom into how to really be intentional in your home with your family and your life. Yes. Now, Katie is not only an awesome mom and an awesome inventor. That's what we call it at our house when we come up with great things like the inventor. Does that offend you if I say you're an engineer and inventor? No, go for it. I mean, the technical, the the degree that I got was in product design. So that's kind of the technical term. Oh, so you're totally on, on board with that. So yeah. when we're talking about like inventions and engineering, like the, the way we design our houses is totally an art, but it's also a science. And the way we interact yes. with our families is an art and a science as well. And you have mil- built a mil- multi-million dollar business off of these principles. So mm. tell us, what does it mean to be a mom and a successful businesswoman and using the home for both? You know, I, in the beginning, that wasn't really my plan. My plan was to get a degree do well in school. And that was kind of my quote professional career at that point in my mind, like my long-term was plan was being a mother. And I was really fortunate to meet an incredible man in school. We were both in the product design department, got married. And about a year after our marriage, I was like, let's start the family. Like, let's do this. This is something I've looked forward to my whole life. And as I started having kids, it was awesome. It was amazing, Carly. And there was a part of me that just really felt like was no longer growing and developing. And it was the design side. It was the part of me that was really pushed to my edges and my limits in my creativity. And of course, I was doing cool stuff at the kitchen table with my kids and we were doing all kinds of crafts and fun stuff like that. So, but there was just a piece of me that I felt like wasn't fully being developed anymore. And I was in this wrestle in my head and it was like, cause I had kind of started a business on the side and I was just thinking, this will just be while my kids are taking naps. And it started to take off really quickly. And so I was faced with this decision. It was like, Am I going to keep building this business because it's hungry and it wants a lot from me and potentially destroy the relationship with my kids, maybe even build a wedge between me and my husband? Like it just the business was so demanding. I just didn't know if it was possible to do all of those things. And I'm a woman who is on an eternal journey. And it wasn't just about making a lot of money like who I become in the process and what kind of mother I am, what kind of spouse I am. Those things matter to me in a really 
deep and profound way. And as I saw the needs of my business and how it was making mean mommy show up, honestly, (laughs) I was just like, I don't, I don't know if this is the right decision. I was really confused. And there was this one day where I was, you know, the kids were finally asleep. I was sweeping up. The dishwasher was running. It was the end of the day. And I'm in that internal battle. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, how much longer am I going to keep doing this? Am I going to get five, 10, 15 years into the future and think, man, that was a huge mistake. And at that point, be at a place in my life where the destruction it potentially causes becomes irreversible. And that scared me. Like it really scared me. And yet at the same time, that piece of me (laughs) that was looking for to grow and expand in my gifts and my talents was also saying, but Katie, don't, don't let go of this. And so I'm kind of wrestling with all of these ideas and these concepts, trying to look into the future and then make decisions according to where I want to be now and, you know, where I want to be five, 10, 15 years in the future, because I I didn't want to live that life of regret. And as I'm looking for proof that this is possible, Carly, that it is possible to be a present mother, to be a loving and devoted wife, to even continue to develop my relationship with God and build a successful business. As I was looking for that proof in magazines and books and constantly constantly seeing examples of the opposite, right? Right, yes. They were kind of reinforcing my fears. But at the same time, I, I just, I couldn't put it down. And, and so as I'm in that wrestle and the dishwasher's running and I'm sweeping, I have this new thought, and I really believe that this was coming from God. And it was, Katie, you're looking for the proof, evidence that this is possible. But you don't need that because you're a designer and I've taught you creation. So while you might not see her, the woman who's capable of navigating the complexity of all of these things, while you might not see her, you can go create her. And I took my design, literally took my design processes of you know, imagining a a potential solution, reverse engineering, prototyping, testing, implementing. I took that process to myself. And it's cool. Before we hopped on, you asked me, where are you doing this from? And I was like, I live in Puerto Rico. And like the Katie of 15 years ago would have never imagined that I'm living this dreamy life, living in paradise on a hill, overlooking the ocean. Like I can see it right now, Carly, as we're talking, <laughs> my kids, my kids are homeschooling. Um, you know, we, we go, we go hang out at the beach on a golf cart for heaven's sakes. And like just this weekend, my husband took me to San Juan for this incredible vacation away for my birthday. I e-foiled for the first time. And like this life didn't happen by accident. It was by design. And it started there where I was kind of faced with, because what I was doing is I was living this unconventional life, but I was still trying to live within the bounds of convention. And I had to let go of a lot of those things and start saying, what do I want? And it, it was, I wanted to be a righteous woman. I wanted to be a present loving mother and an entrepreneur. And that was just, that was new to me. And I didn't have that example. And so I had to go create her. That's so awesome and inspiring. And so many things that you said strike home to me because it's true. You can't look on Instagram or open a book and see your story written. It's yours to create. And as a designer myself, it just resonates so deeply that if you can't see it, you build it. You have everything. So what were the main tools or mindsets or frameworks that you use to create who you wanted to be? 
So one of the things I had to do was I had to learn to see as a designer. I took figure drawing classes. I, I wouldn't, I'm not a fine artist by any means, but I did learn how to draw. And one of the things that you learn in figure drawing is how to see. And if we're just drawing what we think we see, we're not truly following the lines. We're not understanding what's in front of us. And I have a pod of homeschool kids who come to my house on Wednesdays and I teach them drawing. And this was the first lesson I taught them. So you have to truly learn how to see. And, and so this was one of the things I had to do was start looking at myself and who am I being with my kids? Who am I being in my relationship with my, and like truly see myself. And it's not always comfortable because a lot of times, if you're really honest with yourself, we don't like what we see. It's, it's not what we necessarily want. And so I had to take ownership for my life, for my actions, for my thoughts, my behaviors, who I was being. And I, I started doing that by learning to see. What were some things that you saw? Um, I was doing a lot of the shoulds and supposed tos. Um, you know, I had grown up in an awesome home. I was the fourth of six kids and I was doing what I'd seen other people do. And, you know, one example was with each of my pregnancies, I had complications. Most people would say they were normal, but like I would gain a lot of weight and then I would have preeclampsia at the end. I would have complications in delivery, but Hey, I came home with a healthy baby. So everyone said that was fine. And with my fourth child, I was like, I don't like this. Like, I feel like a part of me is, is kind of dying inside each time I have one of these pregnancies and deliveries. And so I made a decision to interview a bunch of midwives and long story short, I had a home birth. <laughs> like, oh, so yeah. Seeing the fact that I was, I was following what had worked for other people, including my mom and my sisters. And that's great that it had worked for them, but seeing that what I wanted was something different. I wanted to be able to be present. I didn't want to constantly be interrupted by doctors and nurses. I didn't want people yelling at me. I didn't need <laughs> that. I needed to be able to tap into my own instincts and intuition. And so I had to see the fact that the conventional way of doing things wasn't working for me. Amen. Amen mm -hmm. on all fronts we have so much inside of us that is our inner knowing that we don't dare to trust yet because we're afraid we're going to be wrong. What was, what was the point where you're like, I'm going to be wrong. I don't care. Let people think what they will let the chips fall where they may. I'm going to learn from it and do it my way. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, I'm still doing a lot of that. There's always another level. There's always another layer of ourself. And, um, you know, what were some of those key experiences? I think that one where I was sweeping and came up with this realization that it was about developing myself as a leader, as a woman, as an entrepreneur, um, that was a huge realization. There was this moment where the business was starting to take off on a whole nother level. It was the first year that we did a million dollars in one year. And it was just wild, Carly. And you know, in the middle of all of that, it was us having to learn how to run and manage a multi-million dollar international business. Like it was kind of all kinds of madness on the back end. And we were, we were doing it. And at this one point, my husband had been traveling a ton. He was kind of setting up manufacturing of our goods and he was going to visit the factories and showing them how to start with the raw goods and end with a great product. You wouldn't believe how easy it is for 
manufacturers to produce like really poor quality, um, not great goods. And we wanted high quality goods. And so he had to go work closely with our factories and show them how to do it. And so he had been doing that and we had both been doing sales trips. Long story short, he'd been traveling a ton and he needed to go back to Taiwan for the next production run of a new product that we were doing. And I could just see it on his face that he'd been away from me and the kids for so long. And it was just like, what am I doing? We built this company to have freedom and independence and I'm never home. And it was just like, what's going on? We're not living our values. And, and I was like, Hey, we've always dreamed of traveling internationally as a family. What if we all go? And so um, within one week, Carly, I figured out how to get us passports, found us a place to live. And then we're all in Taiwan. And listen, it was not, it was not easy, but like, this is just another example of me kind of breaking out of what I thought I should and supposed to do. It was just like life handed me this difficult situation. Well, not handed me. I mean, I created a lot of it too, but like all of a sudden I was faced with this situation where I was like, okay, I'm either going to stay home and my husband's going to be gone again, or we all go. And, and, and neither one of them is necessarily easy And, you know, my friends and even a couple of my sisters were like, what are you doing? You're taking your kids out of school. What is the school saying? What is the district saying? I'm like, I didn't ask them. I'm not asking people for permission. And that was part of me seeing how you've got to really understand what you want. And then it's not enough to know what you want. Then your actions have to line up with that. So what are your values? What's most important to you? And how can you put that into action? And so like I said, within a week, I figured out how to get my kids same day passports. I found us a place to live on Craigslist and we were on the plane to Taiwan and it was wild and crazy. And there's so much more of that story, but long story short, just learning to make decisions for myself and take the actions to back that up. Wow. I love it. I love it so much. And I love that it involves your house. The secret house part of me is mm-hmm. like, and you just took your kids out of school and moved. That's so fun. And moving doesn't fix things. I've had lots of clients try to fix things by moving. And like you said, it's another set of hard. So we can't escape yeah. the hard, but when you're aligned and what I hear you saying is when you know what you want, then the hard is worth it. And it makes the hard yeah. aligned with your values. And so now you're living with your family doing hard instead of living alone in a dissonant hard. <laughs> right. Aligned heart is always easier, right? Right. So how do you, how would you describe, maybe take us through what it looks like to be you Mm -hmm. right now, based on the sweeping mom who had the realization Mm -hmm. that she wanted something that wasn't created yet. And now what you have created from that piece of inspiration. The first thing I had to do was get control of my day, my mood, myself, Mm-hmm. And it it started, it's not glamorous, but it started with a morning routine. And I I just, again, this seeing myself, noticing, observing myself and who I'm being with my family. I started to notice that by 10 o'clock, I honestly had lost a lot of patience for my kids. 10 a.m., 10 oh, a.m., yeah. Carl. Oh, yeah, I'm hearing you. Like, <laughs> patience was gone. Mean mommy was behind the wheel and I was not being the way I wanted the the kind of mother that I wanted to be with my kids. And I was like, this is not fair to them. And of course it was because I'd stayed up late. It's because I felt behind. It's because I was resenting the fact that I was doing the laundry and making the meals. Like it was a whole host of things. And I was like, you know what, this isn't working. I need to try something new. And I had a girlfriend who she got up at five 30 
and would go cycling in the mornings. And I was like, you're crazy, Jeannie. I, I can't, her name's Jeannie. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do that. But maybe I could do like at least improve where I'm at. And I started to notice that my toddler was waking me up in the morning by taking an empty milk bottle that he had, I'd given him the night before to put him down. He'd bring the empty milk bottle and bang me in the forehead with the empty milk bottle. And he would say more milk, mommy, more milk. And I would Good morning. Slink, yeah. <laughs> slink out of bed. I would fill up the bottle with water, turn on PBS kids. And then I'm like, now what do I go back to bed? I'm irritated. I'm frustrated. And then those were the kinds of days where mean mommy would show up by 10 AM. And this one morning I woke up and he hadn't come in my room yet. And it was like maybe 6.45. It wasn't quite seven o'clock. And I was like, I'm getting out of here. I don't know what's happening, but I'm getting out of here. And I slipped, on some, yoga, slipped <laughs> on some yoga pants. And I was like, I'm going to go for a run. And I stepped outside and I got about 10 steps in. And it's like, Katie, you're not a runner. And I'm like, okay, I'm at least going to walk because I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and I did. I walked around the block and I noticed I had a much better day. And I was like, I'm doing that again. And so then the next morning I got up early and I started doing this and I would walk around the block. Then it was two times around the block. Then I did start to run. And I was like, hey, I can kind of do this. Well, then then winter hit, Carly. And we were living oh, in no. the Pacific Northwest. And winter is just so soggy and miserable and wet. And I was like, I guess I need a gym membership. So I joined a gym. And my first day there, I felt so uncomfortable. And and my head is like yelling at me. You look like an idiot. You look so stupid. Everyone's staring at you. And I, I said to my head, no one's watching you. Just go do it. And I finally start doing this machine. And this like 70 year old woman comes over to me and says, you look like you could use a little help. Do you need me to help show you how this machine works? I'm like, oh my word. She just <laughs> confirmed all of my fears. But you know what? I pushed through it. I pushed through it. And I started working out every morning. And then I was like, I also need to read my scriptures, but I don't have time to do that. So I did things like listened to the scriptures while I was doing dishes. And like, that was where I was at in that season of my life. Then I started to realize that there was this magical place between working out and going back into the house afterwards called sitting in the car in the driveway. It was this magical place. It was like a third dimension where nobody pestered me. Nobody asked me questions. And I was like, okay, that's my new place. So I would go work out. And then when I would come home as my car was still in the driveway and hadn't gone into the house yet, I would take five to 10 minutes and I would read scriptures and I would pray. And I was like, wow, I feel so much better when I do these things. So over time, Carly, I developed these habits, these morning routines that honestly, I call it my power creation. I, I am creating energy. I'm creating focus. I'm creating patience for myself, for my family, for my clients and entrepreneurs. So today, same thing. Like I went and walked for an hour. Then I did a CrossFit routine for like 30 minutes. Then I came in and got my kids organized for the day and made sure everybody remembered which jobs they're in charge of today, helped them get breakfast, showered and got ready, read my scriptures, prayed, and now I'm here with you. And so like, it's about understanding how to center yourself, how to create energy. We don't just have energy. You have to create it and be very intentional about that. And I've developed this process. Like I said, like I just illustrated for you, I've developed it over time. I had a client who he confessed to me that he was drinking five Pepsis a day. I was like, Oh, okay. Is that working for you? He's like, no, I, I need to stop. Right. Like, do I need to cut all of them out? And I said, no, James, actually what you're going to do is just replace one of them, replace one of those diet Pepsis for a 
flavored sparkling water that doesn't have any sugar in it. He's like, really? I said, yeah, you have to start where you're at and you have to take steps that are achievable. Because if we don't do what's achievable, then we'll fall off and we won't ever accomplish it. Where did I start? One walk around the block, right? Then it became two. So the same is true for anybody who's listening. You have to develop a routine that helps you feel grounded, centered, patient, focused. And it might mean starting with one walk around the block. What would you say the difference between achievable and familiar is? Because if I were the woman sweeping with my dishwasher running, which we live in the middle of the desert in a camper RV right now, as we're like building our house out of mud, the dishwasher itself, I'm like, whoa, glory, glory. That's amazing. But yeah, that probably didn't seem possible or familiar, but you had this vision. So while it may not be familiar to take those steps, how can you make it achievable What's the difference? What's the play here? The what, what I say to clients, so for anybody who might not, I haven't told my full story. Product designer, created a multi-million dollar international business, exited that company six years ago. Now I'm a business coach and I get paid very well to do what I do. Um, my clients pay me 10K a month to because of the impact and the ROI that they get in every area of their life. So that's where I am right now. So to answer your question, you know, how do you know if it's achievable. And what I say is if you're having difficulty making any progress on your goal and target, then that's your number one sign. It's not achievable. Okay. Mm. So what I say is pull it back. It's okay to have big goals and targets in the future. That's fine. If you keep staring at those big long-term goals and comparing that from where you are, you'll see this huge gap and it'll be totally self-defeating and you're like, I'm not making progress. You are, it's incremental, but you can't see it very much. So what I tell clients is yes, create that vision board of what you want and that big future and dream. And then you actually don't focus on that anymore. And you pull it back to the next 30, 60, 90 days. And you say, okay, if I want to be making X amount of dollars in 90 days, what does that mean? I need to, where do I need to be at 60 days from now? Where do I need to be at 30 days from now. Okay. And now given if that's where you need to be in 30 days, given where you are right now today, I want you to kind of reach your hand out and what feels crazy achievable, almost like embarrassing to say that's your goal and your target. (laughs) I like this approach. (laughs) And then, and then push it just a little bit more. And I'll give you an example. When I exited my company and I jumped into coaching, I was faced with all of my insecurities all of a sudden. And it was like, oh, wow, I like who gives you the right to coach somebody in their business? And I was trying to set these goals and targets. And I was talking to my husband and I was like, you know, what should I try and do in my first quarter, my first 90 days? And he was like, what about 100,000? I'm like, 100,000? Are you kidding me? Like, I've made like 10,000 total in coaching and you want me to go for 100,000? He's like, well, you're doing it full time. And I'm like, that feels impossible. That makes me want to crawl in the hole and and disappear. And and so this is what I want you to pay attention to, Carly. That feeling didn't have me excited to work on my coaching business. That feeling didn't have me excited to get on the phone with people. It already made me feel defeated and like a failure. And so I had to get rid of that feeling. How did I do it? I had to walk it back. And I was like, okay, if you've done about 10,000 in your coaching so far, what if you tried to do 25,000 in the next 90 days? And I was like, I've never done that before, but I, I, I got a smile on my face and I was like, I think I could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I think that would be fun. 
So it was just outside of reach for me. Do you want to know what ended up happening, Carly? I hit that 25K like 30 days in. It was my 90-day goal. I hit it 30 days in. And by the end of the 90 days, I'd already hit 75,000. Now, if I had made 100,000 my goal, I probably would have made like maybe 5,000 because I'd felt like a failure from the beginning. So you have to pay attention to your goals, how they make you feel. And then when you feel that way, how do you show up when you take action? That's what you've got to pay attention to. And so set goals that excite you, that light you up, that get your creative juices flowing, that engage your creativity and get you moving. Because that's the key. Get you moving one step in the right direction. And then over the course of years, you end up with a thriving coaching business, living in Puerto Rico with the hair of a goddess. I mean, truly. Oh, it's probably how it all happens. Thanks. You want to speak. <laughs> and, and like, I realized that we're talking to parents here and the same is true with whatever goals and targets that you have with your family and your kids. Like my oldest just went off to college recently and it's so incredible and, and deeply rewarding to look at your children who you have been parenting for 19 years now And you have all, we have all of these hopes and dreams for our kids and to have kind of launched him out into the world and to see him being so disciplined and independent in his own life and resourceful and, you know, still leaning on God and saying prayers and reading scriptures and, and doing incredible things. I mean, it's, it's the greatest project you'll ever work on is helping another human being develop their life. And so all of these principles that we're talking about, they 100% relate to you and they relate to how you raise your kids. So I want to make sure everybody sees that connection. Yeah. And it's a very, I I talk a lot about business and it's the same relevant to everybody. It is. It's the same same. principles. And a lot of us a lot of this community that we're talking to is our business owners and moms. And we're trying to do the thing where we love big on both, on both mm-hmm. planes. And a lot of voices tell us you have to choose one or the other, choose wisely. And, and that's the choice that we're trying to, to navigate. But I love hearing you say, expand bigger and be mm-hmm. better versus pick and choose almost like what part of yourself you're going to cut out and die. <laughs> Is that right? Is that kind of what you're what you're saying? Am yeah, I, I mean, you correctly? I think I I try to look at myself as on this eternal journey. I I, I see I work with really incredible CEOs who have a very complex life. Like their business creates a lot of that complexity. And it's very easy to get caught up in the chaos of that and to believe that you're behind from where you you should be. Mm-hmm. And if, if we can actually move the goalpost and say, I'm actually on an eternal journey, who says I have to become independently wealthy in the next five years? Like, what if it's in the next 15 years, the, the next five, 10, 15 years will come regardless of whether or not you've hit that goal. Are you at least on the path? And are you at least making progress towards those goals and objectives and whether or not you make it in 10 years or 15 years, honestly, it doesn't matter. But when we believe that we're behind, that makes us kind of like what I was describing earlier. It makes me feel like I want to crawl into a dark hole and <laughs> poke my head out. Yes. So it's important to, to recognize that you're on this infinite eternal journey and give yourself a break and don't always believe that we're, we're behind because when we believe we're, we're behind, we make irrational, frantic decisions and then 
irrational, frantic action. And then we don't get the outcomes that we want. And we don't enjoy the process. But what you're saying is when you're feeling good, you will take the action that will get you to your goals. But it doesn't matter how long it takes because you're having a good time. It feels good (laughs) the whole time. And I mean, good by there's going to be hard things, of course, but you have a a life that you love in a direction that you love. Yeah. Sounds like everything. That's amazing. So what messages have you implanted into your, your home or into your office or into the physical world around you to help you stay focused on what matters most, this woman of possibility of eternal Mm -hmm. journey? So there's a couple of different things that we focus on in our family that I think would be relevant in answering this question. And we kind of talked about one of them, which is developing healthy habits, especially when we are teaching our kids how to become their own man or their own woman. And, you know, my kids, when they were young, I'll I'll talk about my oldest. I'll tell his story really quick. So when he was in junior high, he was athletic. He was playing soccer and football. He was a little bit chubby, which is totally normal for a kid in junior high, by the way. Like hasn't even hit his growth spurt. And I watched the way that he ate and he ate a lot of chips and crackers and bread and pasta. And it wasn't great. And there was a part of me that wanted to kind of criticize him and maybe even shame him a little like, Hey, you're, you're doing sports and athletics and you could be a lot more physically fit. And I didn't, I loved him and I lived healthy habits and he watched me and his freshman year, he made a decision and he was like, I'm kind of out of control in my eating and my fitness isn't where it could be. And I I want to make changes. And so as a freshman in high school, he started developing a fitness routine. He started meal planning, Carly. (laughs) And this kid who was like chubby entering high school was literally breaking fitness records at the high school for things like the squat and clean. He literally broke records at a school that was over 30 years old. And it's because he watched his mom develop healthy habits. So that's one of the keys right there is developing healthy habits first by doing it yourself and being that example to your kids. And it's so cool now because I have four kids. They are 19, 17, 15, and nine. And all of my kids have followed this pattern. And right about the time of their teenage years is when they're like, oh, I'm a little bit softer than I want to be. And they start to care about it. And it's their own decision to make changes. And they watch their mom do it, their dad do it, their brothers do it. And then they join. And like, if I could send you a picture right now of my three oldest boys shirtless. They would be so embarrassed, but they are so, <laughs> so physically fit, super strong. And it's just, it's cool because they've learned to be di- disciplined in their fitness and their eating. And I know that that skill is going to serve them for the rest of their life. And it's okay? theirs. So, they decided to own it. It wasn't you being like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It was them saying, yes. I want the result. I know how to create it. Let's go. Yes. And that's the second one, which is learning to utilize your agency, your power to choose. This is what I ha- this is what entrepreneurship really helped me to develop. I had been living a life of should and supposed to mm-hmm. and doing what I thought I was supposed to do, even what I thought God was saying I was supposed to do, which I think is kind of a juvenile relationship with God. Anyways, it's where I Oh, was. that's so big. And- Everyone rewind that and listen to that again. Yeah. So big. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about this at church on Sunday. I was like, you know, I was as a woman, you 
through storybooks, video games, you develop this story that someone's always going to come in and fix things or save me. And I had been kind of living according to that narrative I'd seen so many places. And it's not even to say that that was bad or wrong. I think it was appropriate for the time. And I think we live in a different day where we need men and women to be leaders in their home, in their communities, in their life. And it used to be that the leaders were, you know, the religious leaders or political leaders. And I really feel like the leader of today is chosen, meaning you choose it. You choose to be that leader. And through different platforms and opportunities in social media, like anybody can become a leader today. And so entrepreneurship really taught me how to develop my agency and choose. And I think it's so important, especially for kids. And so I'll give you a really simple example. That story I told you about going to Taiwan when my kids were really young, they were three, five, and seven. Mm. And as we were, as I was getting ready, remember it was a really short timeline. We'd made this decision and like within a couple of days we were packing our bags and I, I like to be efficient. And so my approach was going to be just like hurry and pack the kids bags for them. And my husband was like, hold on, what are you doing? They're, they're going to be men someday. They need to learn how to pack their bags right now. And I'm like, he's three, he sleeps in pull-ups. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? He's like, Katie, it starts at the beginning. And I thought he was crazy, but we grabbed each of their school bags and we sat in the room with them and said, okay, we're going to be traveling and you can only take whatever fits in this bag. What do you think you need to bring? And so at three, five and seven, they were pulling out stuff. I thought some stuff was crazy. And long story short, we made sure they had the underwear and the socks that they need and the t-shirt and the shorts. But yeah, you can bring those Pokemon cards and you can bring that chess set. And they did, they packed their own bags. And then every time we traveled, either getting to Taiwan or on the trains in the city, they each had their own bag that they were responsible for. So teaching your kids agency, how to choose, teaching them that responsibility at a really young age will serve them for the rest of their life. You know, some of my friends, when their kids go off to school, they're really, when their kids go off to college, they're really concerned. And listen, I was sad the day my son left, but I knew he knew how to take care of himself because I taught him from such a young mm -hmm. age. So that's another key there. And then um, helping them grow their identity. I would say that's the the another really important key. And this was something that, again, I, I share this example for myself. My identity had been one of shoulds and supposed tos and trying to be the woman I thought other people wanted me to be. And then as soon as God broke me out of that and was like, Katie, create the woman who's capable of building a multi-million dollar international business and who loves God and teaches the Bible class on Sundays. I'm like, that sounds like a really cool woman. I want to be her. So teaching your kids the power of their identity and help them to develop their identity and kind of pour into them on who they are. And I think oftentimes we see ourselves in a much smaller way than we truly are. And, you know, I felt that a lot growing up. I was the fourth of six kids when my, when I was three, my mom had twins and I became invisible in my home. And so I grew up believing that I wasn't important, that I was insignificant, that I didn't matter. And I continued to kind of carry that belief with me. And so this woman who was going to be doing significant things in the world all of a sudden through her business, I had to change that identity and expand my identity. And, you know, I'm really intentional about that in our home. So I'll give you a really good example, Carly, and I'm going to make this like very tactical. So 
I wanted my kids to be responsible in our home and, you know, do jobs and chores, but who wants to do a chore? Like nobody wants to do that. I, I don't want to do chores. <laughs> Although I will say I was a very clean kid and I was so helpful around my house. You're welcome, mom. Um, but like every time I would tell my kids to do their jobs, they would push back. Of course they would. Nobody wants to do that. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to make this fun and interesting. And I'm going to utilize the fact that I know the power of identity. And so I wanted my kids to take pride in this responsibility. And I was like, okay, instead of the job being, you know, the pooper scooper for the dog, <laughs> it was, you're the CDO, you're the chief. Dude, is this coming through? I'm I, yes, I'm hearing chief, you. <laughs> chief, you are the chief dog officer. Dog officer. That's better than what I was thinking. <laughs> chief dog officer. And it's identity based. Or you are the welcome wizard, which means you're checking the front entryway. Are the shoes on the shoe rack? Did somebody leave their socks out? Did my boys are always ripping their t-shirts off? Oh yes, my sweaty. kids do this too. This, so is, like, cat, this is good. Are there shirts on the couch or on the kitchen counter? And so that's the job of the welcome wizard. Are you the Duke of Dishland? <laughs> which is like so the good. least favorite, <laughs> but it's like, Hey, you know, we're really leaning on you and you're helping us keep this dishwasher empty so that everybody can put their dirty dishes in the dishwasher. And if you do that, then you have fewer dishes that you have to do as the Duke of Dishland or the Duchess of Dishland. So the point being, I was giving my kids responsibility. I was teaching them discipline, how to contribute to our family. And I was doing it in an identity-based way. And I think this is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our kids is really help them see not just who they believe themselves to be in this moment, but who did God create you to become? And how can you start taking on that identity right now and be him now? Oh, yes. Because I, as we teach our kids, we have to learn it better too. So even the act of teaching and experimenting and, and vocalizing all that we're learning and all we're trying to become helps us become even more rooted in who we are. But as these little ones come up behind us, they get to learn it explicitly and implicitly. I think it's one of the greatest things we could do. What a beautiful way to say that. Katie, so many questions I could ask you. So many wonderful stories you've told us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As we close here, can we do a rapid fire house get to know Katie Richardson round? Are you up for it? Yeah, I love it. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So where do you keep your cookie sheets? Do you have cookie sheets and where do they go in your house? Oh, Carly, cookies are my favorite. <laughs> challenged me alongside her to do a no sugar challenge. And I know I could use monk fruit or stevia and make cookies, but my cookie sheets are above the microwave, long story short, but they're not getting very much love these days. It was my birthday and that on birthdays are when we can like have desserts. And I made chocolate chip cookies on my birthday because I missed oh, cookies. I love cookies too. What day is your birthday? May 25th. Mine is May 10th. It's fun to have a, a oh, May yeah. birthday friend. Yeah. <laughs> a good day for chocolate chip cookies all around. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And how many pillows are on your bed? Your bed? Uh, there's five. My husband uses two and I use three. <laughs> and you use all of them. None just I do for a decoration. No, none. I don't have any decorative pillows. Uh-uh. Love it. Love it. And what would you say is the one thing in your house that best represents you as a person? If you could choose like a little totem of your personality, what would it be? Oh, wow. That's asking a lot. I know. Sheesh. It's it's real around here. 
Yeah. <laughs> looking around my house right now. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at this ring light that's in front of me. It's plugged in so it can be powered up. It's a source of energy and it's radiating light. And that's what I try to do in my life is, you know, I believe in the principle that it, principles that I shared with you today. And so even in my coaching, it's not about fixing things for my clients. It's about really empowering them to be the one who solves and, and builds their business. And hundred percent, I'm a huge part of that for sure. But um, like I do that by shining a light on the things that they're not seeing. And so that then empowers them to make better decisions. And so I would say that's what kind of encapsulates Katie Richardson in one item in my house. I am never going to see my ring light the same way. I'm going to call it my Katie light from now on. <laughs> it's <Okay>. my Katie light. <laughs> and what is the weird thing that your family would say you obsess about in your house? Are you a, a floor crack vacuumer? Are you a fridge sponger outer? Are you a don't unlock the doors unless I tell you you can kind of person? What is it? I mean, I get excited about a really great product that works really, really well. Like Ooh, totally, my, that makes sense. Like my handheld Dyson vacuum, I love it. It's amazing. It came with me to Puerto Rico. <laughs> so if I find a product, whether it's like a really simple kitchen gadget, like a garlic um, press, it's not a press. I don't know what to call it. It's great. It was twenty five dollars on Amazon. I love it, and it just like <laughs> cuts up my garlic super fast. So those are the, those are like the little quirky things about Katie's. I just really love a great product. And I tell everybody about it. Oh, that's so good. You're like the gadget girl. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. You guys, you can find Katie, the Katie Richardson of amazingness. You can find her on Instagram at katie.live, but where you really want to be is on her newsletter because she emails us weekly. I feel like it's weekly. Is that right? I do. And Uh it's this love letter that changes my life every single time I open it and read it. I get Mm -hmm. so many emails every, every day. And when I scroll through and I see Katie's, I'm like, yes, there's a practical insight. There's Mm -hmm. something that I can do. And there's a really good story that makes it applicable. So you want to be on her newsletter and you can find her at her website. Oh, tell us your website. What's your website? KatieRichardson.com. And the fastest way to sign up for that newsletter is in my Instagram profile, actually. Just click that and you can hit join the newsletter. And I only send one a week. I don't spam you. But we all wish this is she's the kind of newsletter that we wish it was daily, but it's only weekly. (laughs) So it's like perfect. It's the perfect amount. And you should be on her newsletter. If you loved what she was saying today, if you're ready to unlock a new, more aligned way of living, Katie's the girl. And like she said, she charges her clients $10,000 a month and you can get it for free on her newsletter. Like all of her (laughs) crazy good nuggets can be yours. Do you have any parting, parting words? What's the one big thing you want people to do in the next 24 hours? Well, I think what we talked about, there's so much that we talked about in this last hour, Carly, and it can potentially be overwhelming. And it would be really tempting to leave this conversation and be like, oh, Katie made me feel better. But like, that's not going to change your reality. So insight alone will not change your reality and you have to take action. So my invitation here is, yes, we talked about about a lot of different things, but what's the one thing that really is standing out to you? And how can you take that one thing and put it into action in the next 24 hours? That would be my advice. 
take that next step. And nobody knows what that one thing is except for you. So what's really standing out to you? How can you put it into action? It doesn't have to be huge. It can even be within that reach of possibility, but pick something and put it into action. Love it. Everybody do something. Just do something, make a huge mess and iterate, iterate, iterate. Mess is the key. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Katie. Hey, if you're loving what you're hearing and you want to know more, I invite you to go over to carlythornoff.com and you can pick up a free guide. These are the three biggest mistakes that people make when setting up their houses. And I don't want you to make the same mistakes. And of course, in true Carly fashion, you know, it's going to be a lot less about the house and a lot more about your perspective about the house, but with some good housey tips thrown in, go over to carlythornoff.com and you can pick up that today.